Detective Season 3, Episode 8, the finale, the episode we've all obviously been waiting for. Welcome into Let's Talk TV as we get set to kind of break this down. I thought it was a a good finale. It opens up with literature. It it opens up in a fourth timeline and you know usually in TV shows when you have literature you are supposed to be I guess taking something from that literature. And here as Wayne who is now a security guard uh, at a college is walking and he walks into Amelia's classroom and it looks like a fourth timeline it looks like similar to when he was dropping Becca off at college but the words coming out of Amelia's mouth come from a poem uh, calmly we walk through this April's day and the very last thing said in this scene is the quote that really sums up what this season has been about. Time is the fire in which we burn. You know, getting trapped with memories, getting trapped with our experiences. And that sums up basically what season three has been about. But we go back and we, we, we pick up with Wayne getting in the car with Mr. Hoyt, who is casted perfectly, in my opinion, at, you know, by Michael Rooker. Merle from The Walking Dead obviously had other big roles, but he he plays a good Southern drunk man pretty perfectly. And they have basically a a stare down out in the woods, a conversation where basically they both just lay out that they pretty much know what the other person did without saying it. Obviously, Wayne has cracked a lot of the case in that the Hoyt family is responsible for the Purcell kids' disappearance. And death. Whereas Mr. Hoyt knows that Harris James is disappeared. And he knows where he's at thanks to a GPS system put in his work badge. So with that understanding, they pretty much um, agree to let it be. As they're standing out over this bluff in Arkansas that would have been pretty easy to throw the other one off of. Like, if one of them really wanted to kill the other, it could have happened. Right there, boom, in that scenery. As they're walking this high wire, uh, you know, in their personal lives. Both with deep, dark secrets that don't need to come out. Obviously, that Julie Purcell has been kidnapped by the Hoyt family. And Wayne and Roland have killed Harris James. It ends with the verbal showdown of Wayne kind of forcing the issue. Hey, what happened? What happened with Julie? Where Mr. Hoyt just, you know, basically says, let it die. I don't know what happened with Julie. But if you really want to keep pushing this and have me perceive you as a threat, we can. And you know basically what happens when I perceive someone as a threat. They disappear. Their family disappears. What happened? Just tell me what happened. I don't know what happened. I look like a man with fucking answers. Maybe one day I'll come see you. Try having this talk again. That's you hoping to get your balls back? Or truly wanting me to regard you as a threat? Think about what that'd mean to your family. You being a murderer and all. Think about what it'd mean for that girl. 
Mr. Hayes, do you want me to feel threatened? I'll let you find your own way back. So as we kind of expected, that's that's how the showdown went. We knew Wayne didn't die. We knew that for some reason he basically left the force in 1990 afterwards and ended his investigation. We see that, yeah, it was basically he knew that he had to to save his family. We pick back up in 2015 as they're still trying to piece this together in real time and, you know, in, in present day. They go talk to Harris James' wife. She talks about meeting a black man with a dead eye, a lot eye. She says, yeah, he came to see me one time. It made me uncomfortable. He asked if I knew if Harris found the girl, which made me think that he was cheating on me. Says his name was Junius or something, to which they basically realize, hey, okay, Mr. June is Junius what? Boom, got a name. Here we go. As in 2015, they continue this investigation and really make progress on it. But as, you know, as this show's done, it's hopped around timelines as it's trying to piece together. The finale's no different. We're back in 1980 when we see what really is the reason for for Roland and Wayne's fallout. It's based off of Amelia's piece that she wrote in the paper. She wrote... What she had warned him he was, she was going to write in episode 7 where he gave his blessing and said, yeah, they're all liars, take them down, basically. Well, she does that, and the cops are not happy, her, you know, the bosses are not happy as they ask Wayne to release a statement calling her a liar. They'll write the statement, they just want his signature, but he refuses to comply, to which you know really bothers Roland because he has gone out of his way to try to smooth this over so he could keep his partner and keep his friend. And I think that's really important in this scene to take away that not only is Roland worried about losing a partner, he's worried about losing a friend. He considers Purple his his friend. The hell are you doing? You heard him. I'm done. What? I get them to give you a pass and you... You're quitting? Oh, I'm not quitting. You can't. This is pride, Wayne, and it's fucking you up. Take a breath, count to ten, and sign their goddamn paper. No. Public information? You hate the public. You're a detective. You don't do shit like this. Anything anybody might have said about you... What'd they say about me? That you're a professional. I mean... They used to say that. Got away from me, man. I was pissed off. Didn't really think it through. It's not like me, you're right. Okay, all right. Well, there we go. I mean, you just sign their statement and let's, you and me, move on. Except then, I'd be burning her, calling her a liar. She didn't really do nothing wrong. She didn't lie. And I'm not saying she did. So what? This is your job, our job. You're my partner. That's it? You're just gonna go be a typist? Probably like this bullshit. Couple years, maybe it all blows over. I can outlast them. What about us? 
What you talking about? Grab a beer, go to a game. Not like we're not gonna see each other, man. We ob- we obviously know the fate that lies these two, especially in nineteen, you know, from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety. Wayne gets out of, you know, gets off the force, gets out of the active investigating, and Roland is able to kind of keep going, playing the game, doing things the right way, doing things the politically correct way, and working his way up to get promoted. The the confusion between these timelines is really my biggest concern with this episode, like you see you see this right here in 1980 i don't know if we needed this in 1980 like i, I get that we knew that they broke up we knew that there was a, a reason why their careers went in different paths it was already implied enough for me that i didn't need this in episode 8 because to me it it caused some confusion because you see this distraught Roland, and then you combine that with, you know, 1990, what goes on in that timeline just 10 years later as, you know, Wayne and Amelia are sitting down, and he's telling her, hey, I can't tell you everything. I know I told you I was going to, but I can't. I know I can't tell you what I was wanting to tell you. Some things just have to be different. I know that when we met in 1980, it was a weird time, and our relationship went in a weird place, and I wasn't an active cop, but now I am, and you just can't learn of certain things for your own protection. Like, as they're having that set down in 1990, we see Roland go and be really disruptive for, I mean, no expressed reason, right? Like, when Roland goes to the bar and fights the biker gang, which is one of the better scenes in in this season, at least in my opinion. I thought it was awesome to kind of just highlight, A, that he goes down this destructive path, B, he's a badass. Like, we, we had seen him beating the hell out of people when they were tied up, and think back to think back to episode one, where he's talking about how he just wants to fight. Well, turns out he can fight. He's a badass, and he beats their ass. But, you know, he he takes on six of these big bikers as he's distraught. And my biggest concern, my biggest complaint with this episode is that they didn't set that up enough. Like, we, we, we know that he's distraught from killing Harris James. Is he just wanting to go get punished? Is he wanting someone to kick his ass so that he gets punished? The same way we see later in the episode how someone wants to get punished. It was strange because, to me... It ran too close to the 1980 fallout. It ran too close to kind of making us think that he was upset over Wayne leaving the force. But, uh, you know, he goes to the bar, picks a fight, does his best to pick a fight, does so in a really charming, rolling type of way. What it is, I'm just a fan of romance. Can I ask you a question? She looked like that before you rode across country. The fuck did you say, you little midget? See, I always wondered. All these butt-faced human pieces of garbage out there walking the earth. Who's making them? 
I mean, what kind of Frankenstein monsters are out there copulating to create all these hunks of shit people in the world? Then I come in this bar, here's you two. Give me the answer I've been looking for my whole fucking life. You done bucking, cowboy? Thank God it was you hit me, instead of that woolly mammoth you're fucking. Shout out to him for being able to hold his own. But he gets his ass kicked. He gets his ass kicked. And running parallel to the timeline of 1990, Wayne and Amelia finally agreeing that we have to put this case behind us. You know, we know that he only wants to put the case behind him because he's kind of cracked the case and realizes what's happened and at least knows why the disappearance happened and also feels threatened. But they agree, like, hey, this isn't our burden to carry anymore. And something from that scene really jumped out to me. It wasn't the the burying of this case. It wasn't letting the dead lie or letting the obsession with Julie, what happens with Julie. It's over. They just want to move on. That, that was obviously uh, good for their relationship as we saw in the first episode or the first part of this episode, excuse me, where fourth timeline, maybe somewhere around 1998, 1999, year 2000, they're still together and happy to see each other. It was about the, the thing that stood out to me was her pointing out why he joined the army. I always think about why you said you joined the army. You didn't have money for school or no you, job. You told me. You said you figured that if you died, that your mom would be rich because the government would give her $10,000 and that's why you ended up joining. It wasn't some noble cause. It wasn't because he didn't have anything to offer or needed an escape or money or anything for personal use. He went to Vietnam because eh, he figured worst case scenario, I'd die, my mom's rich. $10,000. For some reason, that stood out to me at the time as kind of a as a weird throwaway. And when you see how the show ended, you, it makes a little bit more sense. At least it stands out to me more. But there we are, 1990, where they're having that talk. And, and Roland's getting his ass beat and just distraught outside as he pretty much realizes he has nothing. And they've really botched the case. Even though, like I said, they didn't set it up well. We get the the heavy-handed metaphor, the he, the heavy-handed, I guess, symbolism that uh, he's a stray human at this point who needs a friend, who needs love, and he finds this ugly stray dog who comes and shows him the affection that he needs. And we see, you know, back a couple episodes ago when he's talking about his best friend being a dog and why he's turned into such a dog person. It's because a dog was the only person there for him in 1990 when he, you know, basically was having his life fall apart. But here they are. There's a there's a cool montage of them in the car in different time periods. But we, you know, eventually settle on 2015 when they go see Junius. And we really see that, okay, everything that we kind of think happened actually happened. It wasn't some big pedophilia ring. It wasn't. Anything like that with the powerful and Satanism. It was basically just a a Southern Gothic story 
of you know creepily keeping a kid locked up to fulfill some type of hole that was left through heartbreak and tragedy. But you know we we knew that Junius was Hoyt's right hand man. Uh, he watched after the daughter. The daughter's daughter died. The granddaughter, and at a company picnic, she saw Julie. And it reminded her of her daughter, Mary. And one thing led to another. And basically, this just, you know, Lucy sold the rights for her to hang out with her. For them to have play dates as long as Will got to go. That's where they would be playing in the woods. That's where they were going. And, you know, it basically turned into an accidental death by Will. It wasn't some culty thing. It was basically an accident that they left him there to rest to calm the daughter and then they took her home and she fit in because she was getting drugged pretty simple to uh, you know eventually to the point where Junius knew that he had to let her go he had to do the right thing and if you need more of symbolism from the opening poem time is the fire in which we burn this Fire has been burning inside of Mr. Junius, a.k.a. Mr. June, a.k.a. Watts. Like, it's been eating him alive over the years, and he's the person who's been chasing Julie. And he's, you know, he went to the book showing, trying to basically learn what Amelia knew, trying to help track down Julie. He's been the man sitting outside of the of the house, wanting to tell the police officer, wanting to tell, you know, Wayne what happened. Basically, he wants to confess and he wants to be punished. He tells them everything because they have badges and guns and he assumes that they are the police and that they will be able to kind of grant him the sweet release. He's distraught to find out that they are not authorized uh, to do such. That's why I sitting outside your house. I was just trying to get up to nerve, trying to tell you what happened. So, you can kill me and take me in. I want it. I don't want to live with this no more. Reminiscent of the interrogation scene in True Detective Season 1 where where Russ tells the girl who killed her baby, basically, well, if you get the chance, you should kill yourself. A little bit of a nod to it there as, as, as Roland tells Watts, yeah, if you, uh, don't live, if you don't want to live with it, if you can't live with it, then don't. 
basically, if you want something done right, do it yourself. But during, you know, during the confession, during the story, they, you know, they, they learn that July, Mary July, K. Julie, uh, eventually ends up at a, at a sanctuary where she's helping, basically, where she's living with nuns, where she's basically trying to get her life back on track. They don't know anything about her past. Whenever he finally tracked her down, he learned that she died of HIV. They go see her. They run into... They run into a gardener and a little girl. They talk. He says, hey, yeah, my dad used to take care of this land. I take care of it now. Uh, you know, he's the boy from the from the first of the series where, you know, basically Julie's lover. Basically, he was the little kid who had a crush on her that helped them sit down and talk to the cops in episode two, I believe it was. But, you know, we get some more backtracking in, uh, in, in time. The 1980 breakup where he blames her for getting him fired. Basically where he blames her for him having to quit. She leaves. 2015, the book falls in a perfect spot. His, his wife's book that he didn't read. Like, if he just would have read the wife's book, all of this would have been okay. He might have figured this out way before, but he doesn't do it. But he gets a little lucky. The book opens up, falls on the very right, you know, very right page. He reads about that Matt boy, and then he's visited by the ghost of Amelia, where she basically paints out another possible scenario for the conclusion of this series, of this story. It's not a tragedy. It's not her dying of HIV. It's maybe something of something of kindness, something of hope, the happy story in this, you know, the happy ending of this story. What if Julie did find a life at that convent? Friendship, love. And what if that little boy who loved her so much, that little boy whose daddy and later himself took care of the yard at that convent, what if he recognized her? If you knew time as well as I do, said the Hatter, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. What if he knew her even if she didn't know herself. And what if those nuns who cared about her, those women who knew she'd had a hard life, they knew bad people were looking for her. What if they wanted to protect her? Protect her how? The only way they could, by telling a story. What if there's another story? What if something went unbroken? All this life, all this loss, what if it was really one long story that just kept going and going until it healed itself? Wouldn't that be a story worth telling? Wouldn't that be a story worth hearing? Then Wayne wants to go and see himself, so he goes to the address. He finds, he does some more police work. Shout out to, to old man Wayne for being able to get it done. But he finds the address of the, of the landscaping company. Goes and we see Julie in 2015 with her daughter Lucy. Obviously named after her mother. Which that part kind of was weird to me too. Why they would name their daughter Lucy. If he's trying to hide her from her secret past, like, wouldn't that maybe trigger something? Why would this kid want to honor the mother 
that was it good? Now, obviously, the kid didn't know of what happened, but it was. It would be obvious to me that if uh, a girl that I was love, you know, in love with, and crushing on, if she ended up missing, and uh, the, the rumors would have swirled over the next fifteen years that the mom was a piece of shit. So that was a little too on the nose for me that they try to sneak a Lucy name by you earlier in the episode just to you know have the big reveal. Logically, I just don't know why they would name it after the mother who was a terrible mother and a terrible person. But he goes, he sees her, and as he's outside, he has an episode where he doesn't, you know, basically where he doesn't know where he's at or why he's there. He's lost, and he gets out of the car to go ask for help. She happens to be the closest person, and we get this really tender moment where he gets to talk to her, and we kind of get to see that she's living a pretty good life. She's normal. She's adjusted. Her daughter is smart and nice and polite, and you know she's got a good life without him really being able to, to blow up her life by asking if she is this person who has had such a rough past. But at the, at the end, as he's drinking water, you kind of see it in his eyes that he's, he's piecing it together. And as he's walking off, he takes one more look to kind of just uh, try to gather himself. But then his son comes, picks him up. We realize that he actually didn't have a falling out with his daughter. His life's okay. He goes to the porch. His best friend, Roland, shows up with his dog, which I don't, I don't know if that was supposed to be the same dog. It looked like it looked like a similar dog. Maybe he just let it have puppies so he could always have a friend, but that dog wouldn't live for 25 years, so I hope that wasn't supposed to be the same dog. But as we're sitting on the porch, he's, his grandkids are riding their bikes, just like the Purcells were. A nice little time is a flat circle callback, basically, that uh, you know history is repeating itself again. Yeah, you're kind of bracing for maybe a negative ending at that point that something's going to happen. And his son is picking up the address and instead of throwing it away, he's putting it in his pocket. What's he going to do with it? Is he going to keep it for future reference if his dad starts asking? Is he going to take it to his mistress or the documentary maker and maybe share it with her? I don't know. Is it supposed to be something that that made you hope or made you, uh, I guess, worried that something bad was going to happen with it? But as he's sitting on his porch, uh, you see his eye. And you zoom in on it and you go to a different scene. And at that point, you really didn't know what scene you were going to. Was it going to be negative? Was it going to be something like uh, a, a negative twist on this? It wasn't. It was just 1980, him telling Amelia, I want to marry you. You're it for me. I want to marry you. A really sweet, tender moment that kind of sets up that part of their life and how they actually, you know, start a family, start a life together. And then uh, a scene that, I don't know what exactly we we're supposed to take from it, but he's the very last scene of this series is him walking around in Vietnam. You know, he's he was someone who was supposed to go ahead and, and, and scout territory, and that's where he's at. And he looks back at the camera, and it if it was supposed to show that he's been, you know, recovering from this journey, if he's been recovering from this journey that basically he just signed up for to get his mom rich in case he died, if it was supposed to kind of show that he's been wandering around in this jungle in his head for a long time, it was really depressing actually. Like it, it was a happy ending overall, but I'm I'm left wondering what was the what was the scene right there in Vietnam supposed to represent? That that's you know that that's a part of time 
and fire and and burning like basically that his memories of Vietnam has really helped get him in this predicament with this case because it led him to police work. I don't know. It was an interesting choice on the closing scene, but I guess it just is something that you're supposed to take yourself. I, I don't know. I'd like I'd be interested in your thoughts if you want to you know talk about it with me on the Discord. Patrons get access to the Discord. We've actually got some conversation going about it now. Uh, to, to be a patron, patreoncom ranch. But there there's no pedophilia ring. That was a red herring. There was no real tie-in to McConaughey and Harrelson. Nope, that was just something to get people talking and to get people hoping and theorizing, but there it wasn't that. Maybe that gets brought back up in season four. I don't know. I'd be curious to see how quickly they get a season four out and ready because this one is being received pretty well. People are happy with this with this bounce back season, uh, you know, with uh, the writer being able to salvage a you know a questionable ending to season one and then a pretty pretty torn apart season two I enjoyed the series I thought it I I was really worried in the halfway point when it started really dragging on and focusing too much on Wayne and Amelia which in the grand scheme of things didn't really have an effect on this show and at least on the show's main story they didn't get divorced they were still together uh, we we were to believe that they were happy Later on in life, we knew that you know this this story was tearing them apart and affecting everyone in it. But that midway point was pretty rough. But it finished really strongly over the last you know three episodes. Really good season. I'll be curious to see if they go with a similar story in season four to try to tie it into the pedophilia ring. If they go start from scratch. If the reason if the reason if, if there even is a season four. But Ali was great. I thought Stephen Dorff, man, I think he's the big winner of this. You know, as someone who has been not off the grid, but really needing a breakout role, he was awesome in this. He was great. I remember after episode one or two talking about how it was definitely Ali's show and how he's the only person you're supposed to care about. That wasn't the case. Dorff really made you care about Roland. He was awesome in this. I hope he I hope he gets some big roles following this. But all right. I appreciate everyone for listening to this season of Let's Talk TV. Uh, feel free to suggest any other TV shows. I, I know Survivor's going on right now, but uh, I don't really want to have to do something for Red, although we have been talking about it on the Discord. Uh, just holler at me. Let me know. Subscribe, rate, do all that good stuff. Uh, until then, we'll talk soon.